You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. Uh, this is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. What's up, y'all? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing you know well. What? Hang on, hang on, hang on. JT has gotten into a pattern of where he just sits there and he doesn't yep. say anything when you say, hey, what's up? I yeah. wait so, for hey, you JT, to go. What's up? Oh my gosh! Hey, have you guys ever JT heard? Of, have you guys day. ever? No, I'm serious. Have you ever heard of Up Dog? What's up, dog? Don't. Yes. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, we're gonna have to edit that out. That, that was so yeah. painful. That's gonna have to get cut. <laughs> now, let me ask you, uh, JT. You went to the dentist today. Did you have a cavity? I did not. Okay, so. I have I actually have your dentist on the line right now. Dr. Allen, thanks for joining <laughs> us. Uh, would he verify if I called your dentist up? He would verify. And I know that his that you don't have him because his name is Crentist. Crentist. No, it's not. That's, That's why he Krentist became a dentist. dentist. Yeah. <laughs> That's really bad. JT. It's an office joke, Jen. That's an office okay. joke. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't watch that because it was so sad. Oh, and, and I'm the boggy. one who needs to stop. Go watch the office. Can I ask you, were you there today for a tooth whitening procedure? Like, what was happening? No, I was just cleaning. I had not been since last January for for a cleaning, and so mm-hmm. I got all polished up and cleaned. Great. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to hear about your dental hygiene, and I'm proud of you for keeping that up. Honestly, yeah, man, way to break riveting. down a ge- yeah. w- way to break down a gender norm. I think men <laughs> as a category are probably less prone to their annual visits, uh, and I just want you just want to encourage you. Thank you, man, my, for my modeling a better my way. My wife set my appointment for me. If that helps with the gender yeah, norm, here. yeah, uh, me, this is me totally not shocked at all yeah. by that information. Uh, so, well, hey, today we're talking about the self-existence and self-sufficiency of God this season on Knowing Faith. We're talking through the doctrine of God. We've done a few episodes on the Trinity, who is God, uh, and then we've now moved into kind of a, a whole season exploration on the attributes of God. And right now, we're really talking through the incommunicable attributes of God. So every episode, we'll kind of begin with a refresher, but let's just start here. What's an incommunicable attribute of God? Just to kind of get the audience caught up. Maybe this is your first time listening. Somebody just shared it with you and you're hearing us say incommunicable attribute of God. What does that mean? It's yeah. something that's, Oh, sorry. You know, you I'm go trying, ahead. JT. I'm trying to go, He's trying to go first. So wow. I'm going to sit and be quiet. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. And then the teacher can let me know if I get it right. Yeah. Incommunicable, yeah. uh, as opposed to communicable, communicable means it's something that we could share with God, something that we could say God has and that we can share, we can imitate and mimic and, and have ourselves. Incommunicable is an attribute that we would not share with God. It's something that is uh, present in him and to him alone and only as God himself. Mm-hmm. Good. That's so good, JT. Go. Yeah. Incommunicable attributes of God. And last week we talked about God's infinitude um, and the incomprehensibility of God. But today we look at self-existence and self-sufficiency. Uh, so let's just start bottom shelf. Uh, Jen, who created God? God is uncreated. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think we're doing. I think we're doing good. Hey, JT. What does God need to survive? Episodes of Knowing Faith. 
No, 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 he doesn't. He doesn't. But this is really important because we can often, and I know we're getting to this in the podcast, is we'll often talk about like even God needing us or Mm -hmm. kind of being needy and clingy and and being without something. And the doctrine we're talking about today is that because it is God and God in himself, he has no needs. It's probably appropriate, though this is probably going to get some people frustrated with me. He doesn't even really have desires in the same way we would talk about desires because he doesn't have anything that he needs. He is self-existent, self-contained, and in his self-existence, living in a community of joy and love, goodness, and beauty for all time. Okay, okay. But we have to talk about self-existence before we talk about self-sufficiency, I think, because self-sufficiency makes a lot of sense in light of self-existence. So... If at one time, and this is not even the right way to say it because it would not be a time reference, but if at one time there is nothing but God, then it follows that God does not need anything um, to exist, right? He has He has life in and of himself, so he, he does not receive life from anyone or anything, and yet he gives life to everyone and everything. Um, And so that's really important to remember because then when you realize that he has no needs, I think it makes a lot more sense because if he did have needs, then he wouldn't be able to have life in and of himself or give life to um, everything that you know that has it. So to say that God is self-existent is to say God is uncreated. Mm -hmm. Um, He's uncaused. He's Mm -hmm. not made. He's not designed. Uh, this is this is what it means to say that he's self-existent. To say that he's self-sufficient is to say that he's lacking in nothing. Mm-hmm. He does not need anything or want anything, so to speak, that is necessary or desirous for his continued existence. I would say that um, sometimes I'll add to self-sufficiency, self-satisfied, because I think that when we think about self-sufficiency, it's kind of, we think about it in terms of God is lacking in nothing that he needs for his ongoing existence. Mm-hmm. That's true. I think it's also critically important that we understand that self-sufficiency entails self-satisfaction. God is not lacking in anything to fulfill unmet desires or unfulfilled desires. Well, and even in in this language, you're beginning to see how the incommunicable attributes, when we try to take them on, they are vices. But for God, they are virtues, right? So God being self-sufficient is something to be worshipped and extolled. Me being Mm -hmm. self-sufficient is idolatry. Yeah. An- another word that might help people here, because self-sufficient, self-existence, I mean, they, they kind of define themselves as what we're saying is God is independent. He, mm-hmm. he is not dependent mm-hmm. on anything to continue to exist or to, to need something. He doesn't have any codependent relationships. Mm-hmm. He exists in himself, by himself, for himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about, I mean, the easiest way to think about um, God being self-existent is to think about creator God. Like that's that's my shorthand for remembering. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's the origin of all things and he has he himself has no origin. And so then when you start thinking of all of the things that God has created, you can understand that if God is not dependent on anything, that then everything that God made is dependent on him. And I love the way that A.W. Tozer says this. He says, the fact of man is contingent on the fact of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could say that for all of his creation, like for me to draw breath, um, you know, for the next 30 seconds depends wholly on the existence of God. If God ceases, if I cease to exist, God remains. If God ceases to exist, I and everything would, would, would go away. And so, um, 
it helps us to remember our dependence on Him for life, and it also is a reminder to us that even though we tend to get into a pattern of thinking that we are the creators and sustainers of our own little universes, that that is in fact not true. Yes, yes, yes. I love that quote from Tozer. I love it so much. It was going to be my mic drop oh, quote towards the end of this sorry. episode. And you just, no, it's okay. You know, um, you just, you beat me to the punch. It's a great quote. Um, when we think about self-existence and self-sufficiency, the uh, in kind of uh, more traditional academic, scholarly, theological circles, you'll hear this referred to as aseity. Aseity. It's God's aseity. A S E I T Y. Um, now you guys are laughing because there's a character. Do you remember when I, we talked about this? When we were all recording together. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I, I do thought remember. we thought it was uh, say, uh, uh, Yosemite Sam. We were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we were wrong. It was a different character, and I'm the I, and I don't know if that character has been yeah, canceled that's what we were, yet. We were so I don't. Checking to see if he's been canceled before. The <laughs> so before the episode, we were like, "Has this cartoon character been canceled?" Uh, so I'm not going to name drop him here, but it does sound a lot like some. Uh, cartoon character from the past, but Aseity actually does not come from a cartoon character that may or may not be canceled. It comes from a Latin word, um, Aseitas, Aseitas, the idea that God is his own origin. There is, he, he's like, he, he doesn't have some sort of external causal agent. And, you know, it's interesting about self-existence. Um, just if I could put on my philosopher cap for a second, I don't get to wear it very often, but in the history of ideas, the, the, the conception of God as self-existent has not been an exclusively Christian one. Uh, Aristotle, for example, writing hundreds of years before the New Testament uh, in his metaphysics, talked about the first cause of the world, which in Aristotle's language is a substitute for God, basically. It was an uncaused cause, uh, meaning that the first cause or primary cause of all that is uh, had to be um, something that was asse, self-existent, which is really fascinating when you think about it. So this is one of those times when the kind of non-Christian speculation or philosophy about God uh, also coincides with some of the logic and language that we use to talk about what is a true conception of God, which is that he is self-existent uh, and he is self-sufficient. How do we know from Scripture that God is self-existent and self-sufficient. Like, certainly we've kind of been defining the terms. We've Mm -hmm. been talking about their relevance and necessity for a true and healthy doctrine of God. How do we know from Scripture that God is self-existent? I think one of the first places to go is in it. This feels like a little bit like arguing from silence, but I still think it matters. The Bible assumes this in its very first Mm -hmm. verse, Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. beginning, God. And so there's an assumption that at the beginning of what we know, the economy of redemption, God already was. There is an actor present before the beginning of all things. And so for the biblical imagination, in a way, you don't like need a verse. It's assumed in the entirety of the storyline that God is self-existent and before uh, anything that has been created, whether it's sun or moon or mountains or his image bearers, mm-hmm. God was, is, and always has been. And I think as it relates specifically to creation, maybe something that might help our listeners is when we think about the self-existence of God and the self-sufficiency of God, 
is we're saying he he doesn't begin or end, and he has no needs, desires, or wants. So sometimes I'm thinking about this in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Something that helps us here is God does not create because he needs something, but he creates because he doesn't need something. Mm-hmm. The overflow mm-hmm. of his creative activity isn't isn't so that he can receive something mm-hmm. that he has been without from eternity past or that he's now, now going without, but rather he does it because he isn't going without. So I think it's important to look to the very, very first verse of the Bible that says, in the beginning, God. And then that is the assumption of the rest of the storyline of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then there are, you know, every verse that we have that talks about God meeting our needs or that God has no, you know, like um, um, uh, that, that we don't give him counsel, that we don't add to his, you know, all of those right. sorts of verses are telling us. So uh, th- probably the easiest way to say it is self-existence is God creates, self-sufficiency is God sustains. So um, God, the one who has, the, the one who is uncreated creates all things. And then self-sufficiency is the one who has no needs, supplies the needs of all. Uh, on an ongoing basis. And so um, that's not, it's not exactly that neat and clean, but that's a pretty simple way to think about those two ideas. And so, um, you know, here we are in our bundle of neediness, and we think that our needs are something to be overcome. uh, that neediness is weakness. Like we see it as a sign of weakness that should be eradicated rather than understanding that Adam and Eve had needs in the garden. And so therefore our neediness is something that was supposed to teach us something about being a creature that was really important. And so, you know, you look at like in, in an affluent society like um, like the one that we live in in the United States and how much of our spending patterns or our use of our time is, is designed around um, numbing our sense that we have needs that can't be overcome. Like I can throw money at just about any need that I have and make myself feel like my needs are under control. And the whole purpose of neediness is to point us to the Lord. That's right. But another reason that it's really good news that God is not needy is because of the way that our needs control us. And so, you know, if Mm. God had needs, if there were things like, let's say that he needed your money, you could control him. Uh, or if he needed um, rest, you could control him. Or if he needed uh, more time, you could control. There, those are all means by which we can control someone. Um, you know, if if anyone has ever um, uh, made you pay more for something because of your need for it, that's an example of how our needs can can control us. And God is uncontrolled. Yeah, that's the point Paul's making at the end of Romans chapter 11. Who's given God a gift that he could be repaid for from him, through him, and to mm-hmm. him are all things. To mm-hmm. him be glory. So even we can use language. Language, I know, can be a bit tricky here. Even when we use language like we are giving God glory, that's not bad language. That language is fine. But in some sense, we're not giving him glory. We're recognizing his glory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? We don't have something that he doesn't have, and we're gifting it or granting it to him as if he mm-hmm. didn't have it beforehand. It's actually a recognition of what's already mm-hmm. true of him. And that's what we're saying with Osseides. We don't have something he needs. We don't he, We don't have something we're giving him. Rather, we're recognizing that in him, through him, and for him, all things exist. Yeah. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. 
access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. In last week's episode, we also uh, hit Acts 17, and I know I quoted it last week, but this week as well, just the God who made the world and everything in it does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Mm -hmm. Just right there. I mean, if you're just looking for like a one sentence right down the middle of the fairway, how do we know that God is Mm self-sufficient? How do we know that he's, I'll say, Mm -hmm. Acts 17? God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. And that's true, both theologically, it's true biblically as well. Uh, when we think about this being crucial to our doctrine of God, why is it crucial? Jen, you were getting at this just a second ago, and I never really thought about that point that you just made. It's really interesting to me that if God was, like if God did need something, that there would be a way in which he is controllable. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'd really considered mm-hmm. that. What are some other ways that God's self-existence and self-sufficiency is crucial to our doctrine of God, like that it's like necessary, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think in, you know, how it relates to the doctrine of man, right? And so um, the fact that God is self-existent means that we look at our own creative impulse differently because, you know, God, God takes nothing and makes something. Like that's a level of creativity that you can't find at Hobby Lobby. I don't care how much money you spend there, right? Uh, anything that we create, all of our creative expressions are simply a rearranging of things that God has already spoken into existence, um, whether that's um, physical materials or even idea, you know, like I'm an, I'm a writer. And so I arrange words on a page, but they're the same words that everyone else has used for forever. And they're words that were given to me through the work of the Lord. And so, um, if you're a painter, you're rearranging colors that God created. If you're a sculptor, you're rearranging stone or plaster. If you're, you know, we're, we're just rearrangers in our creativity, which is not to say that human creativity isn't telling people something about a creative God. Um, but I think he Human creativity is a celebration of um, of God's way of creating that is so transcendently beyond human creation. Um, so, if you think about the most creative person you've ever known, or the artist, or the musician, or whoever it is that you celebrate, you know, musicians who are arranging the same notes in various different ways. If you think about mm-hmm. the most celebrated or or miraculously talented creative person you know as the as the outer fringes of who God is, the faintest whisper of God's works, I think mm. we begin to get to the beauty of, of the creativity of, of, a, of a self-existent God. But also I think 
you know, I mean, the joke, the, the way that I jokingly describe the, the self-existent impulse in us um, is to say, have you ever um, left a job and on your way out of the door thought, um, when I leave here, this place is going to fall to pieces. Like they can't make it without me. And that, that sense of being indispensable in some environment, right? And you're like, you suckers. And then you leave. And then like two weeks later, you get together with a coworker and you're like, so how's it going? And they're like, oh, I don't know, new guys at your desk. Things are kind of rolling along like they always were. And so I think like our sense of self-importance is sometimes an expression of a desire to be the one who holds all of the universe in motion, um, and, and when we meditate on God as that, it, 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 it puts us right back in the right place where we should be. It doesn't all depend on me. Yeah. I was kind of smirking cause we, we've all left each other <laughs> in various work environments. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us have all left each other at some point in work. Uh, so I was kind of smirking. I was like, is Jen resigning I was, I was, right now? And she, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's like, and also I need to tender my yeah. resignation for knowing yeah. faith. It's been a good run. Yeah, Thank you. Guys. Yeah. Middle of the episode, mm-hmm. just good luck. Out. And it also made it also Speaking made me smart because and self sufficiency. I'm out. I thought that's what was coming. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, you were talking about creativity and Hobby Lobby. This is this is a tangent that we actually don't have time for, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> At our local Hobby Lobby, there is it is the it is the dominant fishing hole for a cult in our community. Which one? It is uh, oh, an actual well, I don't one? want to name them. An actual oh, cult you meant like, that believes in the I thought you meant like a squir- in the mother the God is mother. There's it's actually they're a non-trinitarian cult. Oh. They have like a church building in our community, and they go there and they they target women. Women target women there <laughs> to describe and they be like, Hey, have you have you heard all this talk about God as father? But did you actually know God is mother? Yes. There's a whole mother God, and that mother God is living incarnate on the planet right now. I yes, thought I you saw meant- this group. They were all reading Women of the Word. Oh, you're so rude. No, I, Kyle, I thought you were going to say like a scrapbooking cult. I was like, what kind of a cult is hanging out at Hobby Lobby? Like a, I know, like an oil painting like cult? One. I mean, like, who are they? Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah, that's just an aside that we didn't have time for, but we'll move on. Uh, why is it, so we've talked about it, it's crucial to our doctrine of God, and it is. It is crucial because when I know that when we get into the deep waters and doctrine of God, it does not take long to get into the deep waters. Talking about something like infinitude last week or aseity this week, it can feel very abstract and conceptual. Part of what we're hoping happens this season is you realize these things are not just theologically necessary. Like they're not just necessary inputs into a system that is a whole. They're actually pastorally, they're, they're edifying, mm-hmm. They're beneficial. Mm. Um, It's good for us to know and to believe that God is self-existent and self-sufficient. It's not merely necessary, though it is necessary. So when we think about it being good news that God is self-existent and self-sufficient, I think one of the principal ways that this truth blesses me as just a follower of Yahweh in the world is that The good news that God uh, is not relying on me to, Mm -hmm. like, get it done. (laughs) Like, like God is not up there being like – because I often think of myself. I'm an Enneagram 3. I don't know if we have any Ennea fans that listen to this show – 
Um, every time I mention the Enneagram, I get 15 direct messages about how the Enneagram's from Yes, do you hell also use tarot evil. cards to set your calendar engagement? <laughs> Exa- mm-hmm. Exactly. I don't, and it's not, and if that's where you're at, then go with God. But I'll just say, I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm an achiever. I'm success motivated. That is what I am. It is very easy for me to position myself in a way where I subconsciously will act, man, if I don't get it done, God's not going to make it happen. But God's aseity is a reminder that from before the beginning, before there was a before, God has been, God is, and God will be. And he is lacking in nothing, and his purposes and plans will not be thwarted by what a 34-year-old balding guy in Richardson does or doesn't do. I can be faithful without having to believe that I'm going to be the missing piece Mm -hmm. of the puzzle of God in the Mm -hmm. world. And it's okay for me to not view myself. It's better for me. It's better for the life of the world, it's better for the people I'm around if I do not conceive of myself as the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And this doctrine frees you up from that terrible, tyrannical burden. And also from the pitfall of narcissism, right? But I think Mm -hmm. that the the problem is, is we like, we're concerned about narcissism, but we're not necessarily concerned about low-level expressions of it. You know, we don't recognize, you know, yeah, you may not be you know, like a total megalomaniac, but are there areas of your life where you really do think it all depends on you? Which is not to say that things don't depend on us. Like there are, there are things that depend on us, but you know, not, not to the extent that we are God. Um, there, there is a way forward, even if we fail, which man, that is good news. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this is good news too, because just to maybe even take it to the gospel is like my justification sanctification and glorification is not dependent on someone who's struggling with aging or is not dependent mm-hmm. on, on someone who's struggling with needing something in order to sustain himself is that the, the reason that the gospel, there's lots of reasons the gospel's good news, but one of the reasons it's good news is because it is an irrevocable truth given to us by God who is self-existing and self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. There's nothing outside of God that's going to cease that's going to make him cease to exist or cease to be able to be sustained. So what he gives us as promises in scripture are dependent upon his character and his self-existence. And if he exists forever, then he can grant us these promises forever. And mm-hmm. we can we can live with hope knowing that this gospel will be true forever, dependent upon a God who exists outside of time in himself in a community of joy and love. That's good. That's great. And no better place to land the plane than with the gospel. Thank you, preacher, for that. <laughs> with your pearly white teeth. With your pearly white teeth, like a televangelist, oh, except on podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to find Knowing Faith, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. As we've said before, we are on the web. Uh, you can find us on the internet if you're familiar with it. Uh, leave us a review on wherever you get your podcast, but specifically Apple Podcasts. Uh, that'll help more people find the show. <laughs> There's just you can leave. I, I'll see people post reviews on like, like I'll see people post podcast reviews. Which again, thank you for listening to the show. If you're kind enough to review it anywhere, that's it's awesome. Really great. Let me just tell you, the internet does not care about podcast reviews unless it is on mm-hmm, Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. So even if you're listening to it on Spotify, why don't you hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It'll help other people find the show. If you're looking for other stuff, behind the scenes stuff, a newsletter other ways that you can find some merch uh, 
uh, ad-free episodes, other stuff, go to trainthechurch.com slash support. There's some cool stuff over there that you might enjoy. In our next episode, we will discuss God's eternality in his immutable nature. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Grace and peace. <laughs>